So it doesn't matter what, what the stimulus was when we first learned something. Who knows how we got to that movement? And so a habituated movement is a really comfortable place. It could be a terrible movement, but it's well learned and it's well habituated. All right. And so when you introduce that concept and people try and cognitively intervene with a movement and they make a micro adjustment, it feels absolutely awful. Habit is your best friend or your worst enemy. And when I think about you can't trust what you feel, we're referring to those bad habits. You're so used to them. They're, they are your enemy, but you're so familiar with them. You think they're your best friend and they're not. It feels like it's so wrong, right? And it requires discipline and requires patience and it requires buy-in to just keep doing it right until you got it. Welcome to the Runform Podcast. I'm Bobby McGee, running mechanics expert. And I'm Matt Pandola, your run-specific strength coach. Matt and I have been working together for almost a decade on some of the top athletes in the world, and we've decided to share that process with you guys. Always, always good to uh, share a conversation with you, Bobby. We've actually worked quite a bit together in the last few days, so really excited about our conversation today. I think it's going to help a lot of listeners. Yeah, it brings us to, to a subject that we've been wanting to talk about for a while, and it's what, what do we do when we get together at camps? What are the, what are the, what are the challenges at camps? And, then, and mostly, what are the values of working at camps? So other than the two of us having a, a really fun time and being as present as we can possibly be, because you know I come back from those camps thinking, okay, I'm energized, but then two days later, I fall apart because I'm so exhausted from the intensity and the duration of, of what we worked on. So I, you know, I think it's a great idea this week that we just go through a couple of those simple points where people can look at what would be the value of, of attending, you know, one of these accelerated opportunities where, where you work together. This camp happened to be with, with elite triathletes, you know, uh, but pretty soon we're going to be working with, with age group triathletes at the fantasy camp down in Chula Vista. And it's, it's a whole different approach, a whole different set of challenges, but also a whole different set of massive opportunities. So this week, I think we have a, uh, a cool opportunity to just talk about, you know, what comes up for us. Yeah. You know, I think about what you say, uh, these camps, they really feed us. We get so excited about what we're seeing with these athletes and these aha moments, these light bulbs that go off. And it's just so rewarding for us as coaches, but we, at the end of the day, we are full. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then we've still got work to do with the other people that we serve. And I made it a priority this time where I took notes at the end of the day because I think to myself, this is the gold that we have to be able to hold on to and remember. And the fact that we're talking about this today, I think, is really good for us too because it, it really helps us with a good recap on what it is that we can do moving forward for these athletes that we're trying to help, in, including the listeners here today. Yep. Yep. So, you know, I was, I was a school teacher for 12 years, right. And, and other than me being exhausted at the end of a, of a shortish day, right. You know, teaching is not, not eight hours straight. Right. And then going to coaching after that is, is one of the skills that I learned was depending on the age, depending on the gender of my students, seeing when they couldn't take it anymore. And that, that's a skill that we see here too. Right. So, 
we have all these different kind of personality types, some of them real intense, some of them not so intense, right? And you start noticing, okay, the the absorption rates are starting to slow down, you know, and some of them can handle a lot and some of them cannot, you right? And so you serve them best. And so what we ended up doing was we upped the frequency with the, with the athletes that, you know, are kind of new to the process. The absorption rates aren't quite there yet. And then we see them again in the evening. And then, you know, then they come to us and say, can I see you again tomorrow morning just, just for 15 minutes, you know? So it it's uh, it, it's so organic when, when you go with that is. And I think that the catalyst is, and I'd like you to say more about this, but I think the catalyst is that hands-on concept, right? Where, you know, people that have, you know, gone through COVID, have done a lot of online education, and then they end up back in the classroom. They go, "Wow, it's such a different thing, right?" And and it's that that atmosphere around athletes, and and that collaboration, that permission you get from the athlete. This is no, no, no. Immerse me. Stick my head under the water. I want to get this today. You know that that's so exciting to me. And 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 hands on is so different, right? And uh, you know. I wouldn't have ever become a coach if I didn't have that opportunity to to one-on-one with with athletes. Right, yeah. And it reminds me of just having things in bite-sized chunks um, so that we can serve each athlete what they can fill up with. But that is a little bit different with somebody who may have been doing our programming or, or using us a little bit more as coaches over the years then we we know that they have already established some of these base concepts more but my tendency is to over over deliver sometimes and so i think what was fun about this camp is we really prepared on having a few good movements that that athlete could learn and digest and then stopping ourselves there and saying no that's enough for you as much as you i know you're super excited but if we give you more, for example, then we may not even know what worked best. If you just throw so many things at an athlete and e- even if they don't get overwhelmed, if it works, they, they're not sure which movements serve them the best. So I really like that we stuck with um, the, the few movements that we felt like would really help and then saying, hey, let's test and retest from there. Yeah, I, I'm challenged by by knowing myself as well, right? I've been privileged with with work with uh, with the USOPC to to learn about the tools that are available, like DISC, to analyze a- athletes' communication styles and and how they learn best and so on. And but also at the same time to be acutely aware of what my communication style is. And I'm the coach, so I have to give way and pay attention to the athlete's style. Otherwise, they don't get what I'm so, you know, intensely excited about passing over. And so to watch that dynamic, uh, you know, this last camp where I'm I'm able to, when you and I work together, I'm able to step back and instead of observing the specific teaching that you are doing, looking more at at how it's occurring. Why, why, does, it, why does it work so well, right? And, and looking at those nuances. And I think with both of us, we both disappear. And what comes forward is the work in the athlete. And, and to me, that's a really neat feeling. And I think that disappearing trick that we do is where, where, you, where you are absolutely present to just 
what what needs to be done, what's the lowest hanging fruit, what are what are the ranking priorities for that athlete to to get that that um, that message? Yeah, no, and I think we I use the term a lot of times. Um, I'll say microset. You know, let's let's microset. Let's let's put this dose in. And what's really kind of fun there is that you are testing and retesting within that one session and seeing how these movements actually uh, improve their form and how their form flows out of them after that. And so I kind of started saying that we are going to set it and forget it. And it's just one of those terms that I kind of started using this weekend, um, but we had a wonderful athlete that was he's really a thinker and it made me think a lot of people are like this because they want to get better they want so bad to improve and they want to take advantage of the information they've been given um but cognitively we can intervene and i thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about that just for a minute you know how we can learn better at our what serves us the most and so for example i was telling him get yourself on video doing a dynamic movement look at how that movement is being performed and just understand that you follow these principles you use these movements and look to see did we get one percent better over a few weeks now you probably have seen a dramatic improvement in how that posture flows out of you and that's really that's really I think fun to see, but especially if you video from the beginning and then look at that in every few weeks to see the differences. Yeah, that that whole concept of yours, set it and forget it. It brings up training that I did on perceptual motor aspects in the seventies, right, where um, you're looking at how the brain functions, and, and you know we were lucky enough to work with a. Uh, a very skilled sports psychologist with the athletes as well and sitting on that session and and get involved ourselves and just learning how the brain processes this kind of thing. So so the athlete you're referring to, what was nice about him, he was a very much a self-taught athlete, right? Uh, he came from a rowing background, a long course athlete, that, that kind of approach. So everything that he had was cognitively learned and he was extremely frustrated that all of his cognitive efforts with some of the aspects of his run form had not amounted to nearly as much as he wanted to. And so we had this beautiful situation where we looked at the video of him on the treadmill and his angle of attack was superb. His foot strike was superb. Everything was working well. He had a great kinetic chain going. He wasn't disconnected. He wasn't popping his chest. But the whole damn thing was going so slowly, right? And his ground contact time was awful and stuff like that. And just watching those moments come off. And that's, to me, what struck me at the camp was was that every single one of those athletes, some of them we've worked with a lot, some of them we've, we met for the first time, right? But every single one of them had a different highest priority to work on. And that was what so was refreshing, right? You come there, you have your preset ideas. You say, all right, I think I can help this athlete, right? And then the next thing you know is, is nope, we got to go here, <laughs> you know? And so that assessment and then the individualization that comes as a result of that assessment is so exciting to me. And you really have to put check your ego at the door, right? Otherwise, you're going to miss it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It reminds me of, 
an affiliate athlete that we work with was at this camp, John Reed. A few years ago, when we first started working with him, I was, uh, I can tell him this now because we're, we're friends now. Right. But I say, uh, is anybody home? What's, what's going on? You know, a few years ago, I was wondering if he was absorbing any of it or, and, and quite honestly, I don't think he bought into it right away. And then at, over time, he started to really realize the potential of what he could, he could do with these, with these movements and these principles. And now you look at, especially the last year, he's really shown up and he's really evolved. And these other guys are looking at him and going, wow. Right. And, and it reminds me of telling them just like me and ING came up a lot where you're looking at this person who's made all this progress and going, I'll never be like that. No, he's just like me. And he was frustrated and he, and he had his, his plateaus and his stalling points. And then he finally started to mature to the point where he would say, okay, I'm just going to do these movements every day. I'm going to commit to this and just see what happens. And he started to get that 1% and it didn't happen all at once. I mean, really it, it was a process, but that process to success, I think really started showing up lately. And what I love about that though, is that these other guys looking at him, I think we're buying in that much quicker because they had an example of what is, what is to come, but it's their own story. It's, and that's the ING is I am getting better at this. I'm not as good as at this as I want to be, or I'm not as strong as I want to be, or I'm not, you know, I'm not as aware as I want to be. I'm not as visceral as I want to be, but I am getting better every day. And here are the tools I can use to do this. Yeah, it's just there, there's so many things that pop up, right? I remember a part of a of of you know of a research project about the value of altitude training years ago, right? That we we're trying to determine just how much value is there in altitude training, so you know they could help athletes that way. And part of that research showed a very interesting thing: that those athletes who went to altitude were making all sorts of commitments, right? They were choosing all sorts of priorities. They were going away from home. They were going to an isolated place. They were going to spend time with individuals that they didn't know very well. They were going to commit to a, a more of a Spartan approach, right? And that that in and of itself was the value of doing that. And that's that's what, what happens at these camps as well, right? So I also had a little thing pop up for me at the camp, and mine was all in all, right, from the old Pink Floyd song, Another Brick in the Wall. Oh, that was a you great know? moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When the athletes kind of got upset and, and frustrated and weren't happy with the way they were doing something, you go just all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. We're building this wall, you know, just take it easy. <laughs> that was great, yeah. Isn't that funny, though? I was thinking about that. You you pick a song like that that, that people can relate to and refer to, and the emotions that come out of just that simple all in all brick in a wall and automatically they're just, and I think it's important to just say this part, at least for me, is that you got people laughing and just forget it again, you know, set it and forget it. I don't know. That's but it's just that moment where you realize they just needed to smile and laugh a little bit, take the stress out of, out of this. It's not, you don't have to learn all this today you don't have to be perfect today in fact it's that's not possible right and just that laughter that joy coming into the conversation 
listeners, I think, to remember that this is supposed to be fun. And I, I think that that's what I heard when you said that is everybody started laughing or started smiling or and it brought emotions, even if it was other emotions from what that song might have given them on a different memory on a different day. And that makes them more present again. Yeah. And the the way the head coach set up the camp was great too, right? So there was, instead of doing, trying to get too many things on the agenda, we kept coming around to the same thing. So we do, we do DMDs three times in three days. Yeah. Awesome. So awesome. that's that, yeah, that, that opportunity to, to reinforce stuff. And so one of your keys with a movement uh, is to imagine you've got a lemon under each arm and you have to squeeze the lemons yeah. and all the kids laughed and we went, why are they laughing? And it comes comes out that you know we're we're uh, we're near Mount Lemon, right? And and the saying had come up unbeknownst to you and and me that when they do go and ride Mount Lemon is squeeze the lemon today, you know. So you know this is like little fun stuff that when the group gets together, it's the shared struggle, right? Which is which makes it so much better. So when you're at a camp, a lot of athletes are training on their own. And they think that their their challenges are unique, and they they are in isolation. And when they come to a camp, they they see somebody else who's who's a little less effective than they are at something, or a little bit more effective, but not way off there, you know. So they realize, oh, you know what? I'm on the right pathway. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we you talk about these athletes. It was raining out. They were out biking. Uh, we had them running in the morning, doing some some specific work for an upcoming race. But uh, I just, I think about the opportunities that you get to learn. And when it was cold and it was it was um, quite tough, I think, difficult on the bike. And that gave a unique opportunity to talk about, I get to do this. I get to, I get to be out here today or compared to what and is, is is that moment a learning moment for me where I realized that this is uh, quite uh, an important opportunity for me to be able to use that in my memories and say, you know, uh, I remember that day compared to what this is. This is proving ground sometimes for us to to see that these athletes are so tough and so resilient, and at the same time they're in a community suffering with each other but in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, one of the athletes that, you know, and we had some world-ranked athletes there and we had some more beginners and we had some juniors and we had some uh, some long-course athletes and they were all at various different stages, right? And so what was so exciting was is when one of the riders reported back to the coach like an hour in, it was one of the top four worst rides I've ever been on. But two hours in, it was the worst ride I'd ever been on, right? And then asking the much more experienced athlete, the athlete that advanced so much, the you know, the world-class athlete at, at that point in time, and him saying, you know, I was in my head about the ride for a while too, but, but unbeknownst to either of them, the one recognized that and the other one didn't recognize that. And so they, you didn't have that distinction. And so I think that leads to a, a good point, right, where we're talking about what is in your head and sometimes recognizing that you're in your head can also lead to acceptance, right? And then you don't challenge yourself. Well, okay, what do I take to get out of my head? What does it mean to be out of my head? <clears throat> and then we saw with, with the athlete that 
We enjoyed so much because we'd not met him before, but he was quite cerebral, right? And him having to learn this lesson that you can't figure all this stuff out cognitively. That thing that I'm so fond of saying, that running is a first language. The way you learn it, the way you change it, the way you replace it, the way you improve it is definitely very, very different to all other sports, right? And so you have to reverse engineer things and put your hand in the way or put a band in the way so that they automatically respond to that and you slowly get them out of the cognitive and they start to feel that movement. As you like to say, they, they start to go visceral on it, right? And they, and they relax into it. Yeah, and I think talking about they and, and community, um, we had a discussion last week about compact positions with with uh, runners and and why we need that and to give um i think an example i said last week that we were going to find that in the dead bug that people were going to lose that position and i i doubt that anybody will pass that test right i was i i was right in uh, in the sense that anybody newer to these movements uh, were not able to pass that test the, the athletes have been have been working through these programs for a while did, but the cool part to me was talking about how, look, you guys are performance partners. I have, have a little bit of input for each other, encouraging each other, but also being eyes on each other. Hey, you're starting to really move well and, and you're starting to really show up in this position. And I think that goes such a long way. So that sense of community, I think that uh, listeners wondering how they can improve one of the best things i think can be done is you go through something like this together where you you do your dmds together and you and you watch how each other are moving and you give each other some suggestions and encouragement and i think uh that also takes stress off of your own shoulders because you're serving somebody else and they're serving you and now you're you're in an environment where you're a team and it's not all on your shoulders to get better. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the first, that, that first rule of biomechanics, right? Don't trust what you feel, trust the video. And, you know, trusting the video means trust your buddy. And I remember doing camps like that from the start, right? Where you have the athletes pair up and then they watch each other do the drill. And then you ask them, what, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? You know, so, you know, with something like run form is you've got somebody doing a good example. So easy to take a video of yourself doing a, a dynamic mobility drill and then putting that away. Right. Obviously, you're going to compare it to the example that you have. But then two weeks time, three weeks time, you're looking, you, you do another little film shoot and, and you watch yourself. Right. And you go, oh, wow, I, I'm, I'm halfway there or I'm all the way there. Right. And that that feeling of mastery. But I think when it comes to to running mechanics, the hard thing is is for people to see, to even know what they are looking for. And I think in in the in in the podcast to come, we should take individual movements and say, look, this is this is what you know what people do. This is what you should be doing. You know, give an example of, of somebody who's highly proficient at that, and then just give some advice as to how would you progress from that to this, right? But the big thing is is Use the video, use the examples, use those visuals. Yeah, so it's interesting because one of the things I had in my notes to talk about today was trusting how you feel. I was I'm reading a book, I won't say which one, a running book that came out recently, and 
one of their main principles is to trust how you feel. And I thought, oh, we need to really discuss what that means when we we say that, especially in the in the beginning, Bobby. And I I think you're the one who has coached this for years, and you coached it with me. And I realized that that I was misinterpreting what that meant. Can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So it's basically comes down to myelinization. The, the, the psychotherapist Bosch used to speak about pattern matching. So it doesn't matter what, what the stimulus was when we first learned something, you know, we might've grown up running on thick grass, barefoot. You know, we might've grown up from the start in a colder climate, wearing shoes with a, with a heel, huge heel wedge and all our running was on concrete and asphalt. Who knows how we got to that movement? But what we did is we myelinized it. And myelinization is just a, a, a term in, in, in neurology, right? Which that fat sheath that speeds up movement. And the fatter that, the thicker that fat sheath comes, the more habituated that movement becomes, right? Mm. And so a habituated movement is a really comfortable place. It could be a terrible movement, but it's well learned and it's well habituated. All right. And so when you introduce that concept and people try and cognitively intervene with a movement and they make a micro adjustment, it feels absolutely awful. It feels like it's so wrong, right? And it requires discipline and requires patience and it requires buy-in to just keep doing it right until you got it, right? And it doesn't matter why it happened, all right? And so uh, that, that, that understanding that it's not wrong or right, and, and that brings you to that second rule of biomechanics, right? Exaggerate. You have to exaggerate. You know, so we again had an example with an athlete, right, who was completely internally rotated, right? And so we designed a whole lot of drills to get him on plane uh, and connect the, the, the hip to the knee to the ankle, right? because the knee was inside, the hip was outside, it can't go anywhere else, right? And then the foot was outside. And then doing a drill with him the first time, we haven't seen him in a while, and we're going, why is he so outside? Oh, yeah, because he was so inside. Now we have to go, okay, now we could back off a little bit with that exaggeration, because he was so disciplined that he, the first thing he said was, last time we worked together, you said, I got to do this, you know? So it was beautiful to show what, he completely altered it through disciplined, regular application, right? And then we just had to make a micro adjustment for, for, for him to get it back, right? So he couldn't do an, an A skip, but it wasn't because he couldn't do an A skip. It was because he had his knee in the wrong position. As soon as he put his knee in the right position, boom, he was perfect. Yeah, and that's where we refer to let the posture flow out of you. And I, I think of your Goldilocks principle there that you were referring to where you really exaggerate what you don't want to do. I think that's one of the most brilliant things that I've ever learned with you. Even with um, Matt Balzer, who is a four-time Xterra national champion, it's like, how much more are you going to get out of this guy, right? And I worked with him for years and you were working with him one day and you, you had him use that Goldilocks principle. And once he did that, then man, connecting those dots, he was just, it just cleaned up. It felt like 10 things at once. And you're just like, now it's just about learning that behavior or that, uh, that habit, those habits, because I say your habit is your best friend or your worst enemy. And when I think about, you can't trust what you feel, we're referring to those bad habits. You're so used to them that they are your enemy, but you're so familiar with them. You think they're your best friend and they're not. 
there there's yeah you you're just unconscious right right yeah I, Go ahead. and again i i feel that i'm like like nietzsche right all the great ideas are already being had and we're just refining 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 and uh when it came to that concept of of exaggeration right and i'd learned it in biomechanics but the that that concept i of turning it into a useful tool, I actually learned from Oprah Winfrey. She did an exercise where she told a, a group of women to write down what they don't want to have happen in their relationships, right? And once they'd written it all down, she said, okay, now there's your hit list. Just on the opposite side of the page, write down what you want to have happen and how you're going to make that happen, right? And so that's that perfect example is is. An athlete gets frustrated, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. No, no, that's no good for you. That's not helping you. What should you do? Okay, now what you should do feels crappy. So now crappy is a cue. If I'm feeling crappy, I'm doing it right. Until I'm doing it right and it doesn't feel crappy, that's habituation. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, speaking of bite-sized chunks, we, we've been looking at doing these podcasts in about 30 minutes because... At least in my experience, I'll listen to these podcasts that I absolutely love, but they're maybe two, two and a half hours long, some of them, and I get so much information, I I don't remember most of it. And um, I'd like to wrap this up with the 95% and the 5%, I think is a good way to to wrap this conversation up and just sort of the bullets of what we talked about today. But again, I'll put it on you, Bobby, to to explain a little bit more of what we're talking about here, listeners can take this and start using this principle in their in their own experience, in their own training. Oh, you know, 95% is that two, 95.5 is that two and a half hour podcast. So I'll really try, I'll really try and encapsulate it, right? So uh, 5% of the way we see ourselves in anything is actually correct. is a construct. 95% is perception. And when you think about that, you say like anything that we do, 5% of that is actually fact. 95% is is a construct, right? So I think the best thing to do with this podcast, the best way to end with that is just pop that in your subconscious, let it work on it, and then come up with some stuff tomorrow in that 5% drill. All right. That was great, Matt. Thank you so much. Always great to talk to you, my friend. Oh, no, you as well. And uh, to to remind the listeners here, uh, any question is uh, the app that you can ask Bobby and I questions on. It's now a free app. So get on that. Let us know if you have any questions. We'd love to hear from you. And just, I think that 95.5% is a perfect way to recap this. I was talking with the athletes afterwards because that was a big aha moment for them. And we just started talking about the two-minute rule. At the end of each day, just write down for two minutes, just two minutes, don't go over that. What is it that you need to brain dump and put down onto paper? I suggest pencil to paper. And start to really just one micro uh, set at a time, so to speak. Give yourself that opportunity to learn what's working for you and by the end of a 12-week period of time, I think it'll be amazing how much you've been able to understand, you know, the Goldilocks principle, exaggerating it and finding what's in the middle. And that's where 
you can really start to find these principles flow out of you and just make it bite-sized, make it manageable, I think is is the big uh, point that we'd like to to serve you with today. But thanks for listening, guys. And Bobby, thank you. Um, it's It's my life's honor to work with you. And this weekend reminded me of how fortunate I am to to be a part of this equation with you. So uh, thanks thanks so much. Uh, we're, we're doing good work and, and I'm excited about the future. Thanks, Matt. Take care.